0: So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash show, And for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other
1: offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Deep behind enemy lines in the heart of war, Sergeant Slaughter looks to the stars to guide his next move. Crossing past encampments, fording streams, and climbing mountains, Slaughter has his mission to find the POWs and bring them home. It is then, when passing by a campsite, Sarge sees the seven-foot Chewbacca near a fire. Mistaking him for one of Cobra's bio experiments, he moves in for the attack. Chewie looks up and sees the drill sergeant who shouts, You better give your heart to America, cause your butt belongs to me. All Chewie can do is let out a as this battle is inevitable. It's Wookiee versus America. It's Furball versus the Executioner. It's Chewbacca versus Sergeant Slaughter. Today on Who Would Win? And
0: welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavs, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Canis. In today's battle, it's one of the crazier matchups that fall under the quote-unquote somehow-this-makes-complete-sense category. In one corner, you have Chewbacca, one of Star Wars' most beloved pilots and badasses, versus Sergeant Slaughter, an icon of both the squared circle and the iconic G.I. Joe cartoon from the 80s. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and Google responded with... Who are you kidding? As no one has ever dared to discuss this hypothetical fight before. Yet again, the Who Would Win Show brings you the Legion of Audience, another premier geek culture battle. Ray, super interested in this. What are your thoughts on today's matchup?
3: This one is a little bit more personal than maybe any of the others. Every so often we get a matchup that comes along where I'm repping somebody that makes me want to go that much further, take it that much extra. You give me Sergeant Slaughter. From G.I. Joe and, of course, the Squared Circle, American Hero, and Chewbacca. Chewbacca's here in a redemption match, as we all know. He's been on the show once before. But this is our July 4th episode for America.
0: Listen, um, look, when when young James Gavsey was living in Canada, uh, every once in a while, our our TV would get an American feed, sometimes from Rochester, New York, sometimes from Buffalo. And on that magical day, which rarely happened, I would see the amazing display of awesomeness of American fan. I don't know what you call it, just world conquering ability in the form of the G.I. Joe cartoon. And one time I actually saw Sergeant Slaughter in action on that cartoon and I was absolutely enthralled and confused because I had somewhat seen him in actual wrestling before on TV and now here he is in animated form. You know, the real thing I got to ask you, Ray, and I think because you and I are kind of in the same vintage a little bit, the magic of the 80s, the, the magic of the animation from the 1980s I try to explain that to kids of today, and they just don't get it. Does animation today even come close to what you and I experienced with G.I. Joe Transformers, Thundercats back in the 1980s?
3: It's tough because these are absolutely two very different eras. Back in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan said, what if the corporations just did everything with no regulation whatsoever? So we ended up with a pile of cartoons for kids that were all trying to sell us products whether it be toys and merchandise and action play sets, but also sugary cereals, double mint gum, and soda. And so you ended up with this ridiculous, ridiculous set of cartoons. Today, you could argue the cartoons are better, they're more thoughtful, they're uh, they're more interesting, but there is some sort of magical allure for those of us of a certain age when you go back and you think about those cartoons of the 1980s.
0: You know what's really weird is that we'd have uh, you know, the, the American feed for these cartoons like G.I. Joe and what have you, but for whatever reason we didn't always get all of those commercials showing all the toys. So it wasn't until like the late 90s when, you know, this stuff right. was on repeat. All of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, there was like huge castle gray skulls available. There was the G.I. Joe. What was that big huge uh aircraft carrier for whatever Why reason? Why you gotta be
3: bringing up the USS I, I, flag like I didn't ask for it every Christmas. Well, and I bought it, it I
0: bought it for ten bucks at a discount God, bin someplace around Ontario. Anyway. A thief. anyway I, I set it on fire. The thing is, though, the thing is, there's all this magic because I think you had these amazing toys that went with it. I think what the kids of today are missing are the incredible toys, this blatant merchandise that really should be coming along with all of these different iconic properties. But we'll 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 figure this out later. Okay. speaking of great things, speaking of iconic things, it's time to introduce our guest judge making another appearance on The Who Would Win Show. It's comedian, producer of comics, watching comics and the host of Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast. An amazing show. It's the one. It's the only. It's Kevin Goatee. Kevin, welcome
2: back to Who Would Win. Guys, first and foremost, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me back on the show. (laughs) It's always a pleasure. And what am I up to? Well, the many, many episodes of Gutting the Sacred Cow mount up continually. We're almost at 200. This upcoming week, you're going to hear Pitch Perfect. The following week, you're going to hear The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Wow. Then the following week, you're going to hear Platoon. People what? hate these films. What? I know. I know. Ray was on the sat in as a shotgun for Apocalypse Now. Someone hated Apocalypse Now. We had a lot of laughs on that one. And let me just go harken back to your comment, Ray, because I can't sit there and let that just go unmolested. Whoever you think that cartoons now are better than they were in the 80s, you, sir, are high on fentanyl. There is nothing out there now. My daughter, eight years old, she watches stuff, and this stuff is trash compared to what we had in the 80s. It doesn't even hold a candle. Even the Silverhawks are like the Transformers to what's out there right now. Boom. Thank you. But other than that, I'm great, guys. How are you? Well, things are good. By the way, I, I accidentally watched about two minutes
0: of the original GoBots. Terrible. Uh, pilot. It is horrible. I figured out what oh, yeah. it was. The animation was similar to the Super Friends animation. So it was a little Oof. spotty play. Oh, it was horrible. I couldn't stop vomiting. It was crazy. It was like I was watching a musical, Ray, and listening to like Mama Mia or something like that. It was absolutely terrifying. Now, Kevin, um, I'm glad you said all this because... This episode represents, look, Chewbacca has been in some recent films, but he really is an icon of the late 70s and 80s of, you know, the Star Wars when it first came out and blew up. And you got Sergeant Slaughter with all of this. I got to ask, are you already somewhat conflicted coming into this? Can you
2: be unbiased in this episode of Who Would Win? Listen, I'm a man of virtue, I'm a man of honesty. Even though some dummies tried to come on Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best movie review, movie debate podcast out there, some dummies tried to come on this very podcast and try to assassinate Star Wars, try to assassinate Return of the Jedi, did assassinate the last Jedi. Not that Thank hard you. to do that one. No, no. And you know, of it, course, G.I. Joe, yeah, you know, just happens to be one of my all-time favorite cartoons. So you've got what my Top five favorite films in Star Wars, and you have easily my top three favorite cartoons with G.I. Joe. And by the way, P.S., I took my daughter last year to the G.I. Joe anniversary re uh, replaying in the movie theater. And she loved it and especially laughed out loud when they're on the snowbanks hiding the uh, the D.A. or the D.A.T. was it called, Ray? You know, something like that. Right.
3: With the battle android troopers, or you no, no, the no, B- no, no, no. T- B- the BET, B- the BET, B- T- T- yeah, okay.
2: And then when the when the crimson guard jumps over and they start going co, and I get to go cobra, and the other ten nerds in the theater laughed hysterically. She thought daddy was a hero, and guess what? <laughs> She's right.
3: Look, I don't want to say anything about anything, but I also went to the anniversary showing with my other show, knowing is half the podcast, and we brought with us in tow writer of GI Joe the Movie, Buzz Dixon who had never seen it in theaters before. And that was a top five all-time moment for Mr. Ray.
2: Well, that's because it was never released in theaters, so well, kind of hard to do that. seen it. Yeah, yeah. Good, good job,
0: me. <laughs> Wait, that movie was never? Okay, that makes so much sense. It went to TV, unfortunately. Yeah. Ah, uh, tra- is that
2: because Transformers, the movie, didn't do that great in
0: theaters? And My
3: Little Pony, unfortunately,
2: yes. And the He-Man cartoon tanked in the theater as well, amazingly. I don't know how those th- things bomb in the theater. That is mind-blowing. Yeah, usually Dolph Lundgren prints money i <laughs> know the cartoon it's- the he-man cartoon was out in the theater too oh oh my gosh well you know what not
0: everything in the 80s you know was successful that's the thing look we got to get to this episode because we have an insane judge we have two iconic characters ray is chomping at the bit to get started with this and i have a few secret weapons up my sleeve as well so with all that being said ray please do us the honors
3: and introduce today's matchup representing star wars the co-pilot who confused Han Solo with Fred Durst since he did it all for the Wookiee, the Wookiee, so you can take that cookie and stick it up your Chewbacca. And representing Hasbro, the drill sergeant who packs light and moves easy as he can fit everything he owns in an itty-bitty ditty bag. Sergeant Slaughter.
2: Way to get it right in the second take, Ray. That's
0: a I did spirit.
3: It. I did it.
2: <laughs> the
0: magic of editing. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. This is going to be absolutely fantastic. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match the random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version that character has to be specifically stated. With that being said, Ray, I don't understand or know where the pro wrestling Sergeant Slaughter stops and the animated version of Sergeant Slaughter begins.
3: So what version are you, what iteration are you using for today's battle? Let me just say right now, using a professional wrestler on the Who Would Win show was attempted way back in a preseason match, and it was one of the worst episodes in this show's history. Didn't make any sense, and it was a one-sided romp because wrestlers are real people who can't defy the laws of physics, but... If we use G.I. Joe animated Sergeant Slaughter and take out all of the professional wrestling that has to be grounded in reality, we get a character we can use appropriately on the Who Would Win show. So, animated G.I. Joe Sergeant Slaughter. Very cool. I will be using Chewbacca,
0: not from any of the legend source material that's no longer canon. No fan fiction. And unfortunately, I will be leaning on some of, oh, I hate to say this, I'll be leaning on some of the sequel material from the last three movies. I'm so sorry. I apologize to everyone in advance, but he does have some interesting feats. Even those movies or whatever. All right. Rule number four: Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crosso- crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five: The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes. And where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six: The judge—that's you, Kevin—is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who Would Win Show a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you download and listen to podcasts.
3: It is summertime, and that means get-togethers. It means swimsuit weather, and HelloFresh has got you covered. Why don't you make your home the hangout place this summer with crowd-pleasing eats from a backyard bratwurst bar to tangy key lime pie HelloFresh Market makes summer entertaining a cinch for you. And let's face it, you want to eat well this summer, right? If you're going to be showing off your body, potentially. Well, HelloFresh's menu features calorie-smart and protein-smart lunch and dinner options, plus new vegan dinners to choose from as well, so you get some variety. HelloFresh makes it easy to reach your food goals with flavorful recipes that leave you feeling satisfied. And let's say, for example, you want dinner fast. You could just get it delivered, but let's face facts, that's not always fast, is it? But you can think of HelloFresh with their fast and fresh recipes. They're going to be ready in just 15 minutes or less. Plus, HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout. What's the deal? I've used HelloFresh in the past. I enjoy getting a box of meals sent to me because I like going on the website or the app or however you choose to do it, right? And I like to go on there and I like to look through all the meals. And HelloFresh has a ton of meals to pick from. And I like to pick things that I've never made before, right? I like to pick dishes that blow my mind. Like I look at the picture and I say, I don't know how I could possibly make that. I can't even conceive of what that is and then I order it, and then I do it. And that's the way that you help improve yourself, right? Improve your knowledge base. Reach out with food. It's possible with HelloFresh. I will speak to that myself. Go to hellofresh.com slash www50 and use code WW50 for 50% off plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash WWW50 using code WW50 for 50% off plus free shipping. It's a great deal for some great food with America's number one meal kit.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner.
3: You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring... You can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to U.S. Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about and we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's gonna do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're gonna find the people, they're gonna put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates, these are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning.
0: Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash WWW offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash WWW indeed.com slash WWW terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. And now let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for
3: Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter is a professional wrestler turned face of the G.I. Joe toy and cartoon lines. He is portrayed by Rob Remus and first appeared in G.I. Joe in the episode Arise Serpentor Arise part one in 1986. That was the first episode of season two. Sergeant Slaughter was a very popular pro wrestler in the 70s and 80s, working the NWA, AMA, and WWF as a constant threat to all of their world titles. In the mid 80s, promoter Vince McMahon told Sergeant Slaughter that he could either work for the WWF or for G.I. Joe, but not both. So Slaughter quit WWF to battle Cobra every weekday on the TV set of one young Ray and take that glory instead. Now on the Joe team, Slaughter lives up to his character as a tough as nails drill sergeant who can whip anyone into prime fighting form. A few years later, Sarge did go back to the WWF and became world champion. So happy endings all around. Fun fact, back in the 1970s, The Sarge worked several different gimmicks, as many wrestlers did. One of them saw him don a mask and wrestle as a character named Super Destroyer 2. He was managed by Lord Alfred Hayes before Hayes got dumped in favor of Bobby the Brain Heenan, causing a feud to erupt between the two managers. Now, this is some pretty cool wrestling history, but really, I just saw an excuse to mention Bobby the Brain Heenan on the Who Would Win show, and you know I'm going to jump at that opportunity when I can. That is Sergeant Slaughter.
0: You know, mentions of Bobby the Brain Heenan are just like uh, Jell-O. There's always room for more.
3: Always room for more. You're exactly right.
0: Uh, Bobby the Brain. Thank you, thank you. All right, well done, Ray. Now, here are the details for Chewbacca. Chewbacca first appeared in the iconic film Star Wars. I wonder if you've heard of that one before. Back in 1977, it was created by George Lucas. Chewbacca is a Wookiee, a tall, hairy, bipedal, and intelligent Bigfoot-type species from the planet Kashyyyk. During his long life, Chewbacca has seen many things. You know, he's been an engineer, a warrior, a slave, a smuggler, a rebel hero. Chewbacca also fought with the Republic on Kashyyyk during the Clone Wars, then befriended Han Solo while in Imperial activity. Chewbacca serves as co-pilot on Solo's spaceship, the Millennium Falcon, even after Han Solo's Horrible, really not well thought out uh, death uh, in, anyway, the first sequel. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, that's right. Besides the characteristic super strength of his species, Chewbacca possessed exceptional skills in piloting, as well as mechanic repairs. His technical skill allowed him to understand the inner workings of a great number of devices, including droids, weapons, and transmitters, being able to build one out out of a wrecked starship. And here's an interesting fact about Sergeant Slaughter. Do you know that his signature pro-wrestling finishing maneuver, the Cobra Clutch, has been taught to members of many branches of the military, police officers, Secret Service, and many martial artists? It's true. Just like many professional wrestlers who use finishing holds that could actually work in the real world if applied properly, like the sleeper hold, the backbreaker, and the armpit claw... That was the Iron Sheik, I believe. Sergeant Slaughter's finishing hold of the Cobra Clutch has been found to work surprisingly well as both a standing and ground-based chokehold. And how do I know this? Because I'm the guy who taught this move as the Cobra Clutch to all those people and made sure everyone knew it came from the icon himself, Sergeant Slaughter. Look, when it comes to martial arts, especially submission holds, it's important to remember the masters. That's all I got to say about that.
2: Well, then as judge, I have to say that I'm very surprised if you don't know all your holds because everyone in their grandmother knows James Queasy, that it is the camel clutch from the Iron Sheik. Oh, you're right. That's his thing. I know thing, I'm right. But he,
0: oh no, 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 Kevin Guti. <laughs> <laughs> he also had the armpit claw, something he did in the early '80s that was insanely not painful, and that would not always work. Now, listen. And
3: fun fact number two: when Sergeant Slaughter was world champion in the 19 early '90s, he Defected from America to join Iraq, if you remember, during Desert Storm. That was a big deal. And he adopted the Iron Sheik's Camel Clutch as his finisher for that particular run. Just a little second fun fact. Three for Sergeant Slaughter today. Let's keep it going. That's why I couldn't hold on the
0: title. The Camel Clutch... That's cool, but you can easily get out of it. Just move your back a little bit. But the Cobra Clutch, you're going to sleep very, very quickly. I know this for a fact. I've done it to many people. If he had just stuck with the basics with what he knew, he may still be world champion today. That's all I'm saying decades later. All right, Kevin Goatee, do you have any questions before we get started?
2: I just want to make sure you got all the signature move names right here for the for the record because I'm a stickler for this, these sort of things here. Thank you. All right. So let's just keep it fair. Keep it fair. Oh, wait. Ray hates Caddyshack, so we're not going to keep going on that road. Let, gentlemen, let's see what you got. I am very excited. These are two of my all-time favorite characters here. This is no easy, no easy journey
3: for either of you. Let's get it on. Here we go. Ray, hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Sergeant Slaughter. Let's talk about his base power, statistics, et cetera. Because a member of Cobra during the Arise Serpentor Arise five-part miniseries, I believe it was Dr. Mindbender, said this man has the constitution of a vending machine. That means that he is durable. That means you can just keep hitting him over and over and over again with whatever you can think of, and he keeps coming, he keeps working. I assume that's what it means. It's one of the greatest lines in all of fiction delivered perfectly. Uh, in that particular show. And remember, they were electrocuting him. They were giving him shocks after they take him prisoner over and over and over again. And they were marveling that after like being down slightly for a moment, he'd be back up full strength again in like no time whatsoever. So as much as you can hit and beat down Sergeant Slaughter, he never gives up. He stays till the fight's won. I will let you know. Now, he's very, very strong. He's very, very powerful, much more so. And you got to keep in mind, Every member of G.I. Joe is a superhero in their own right. They perform daredevil feats that defy the laws of physics time and time again every episode. And Sergeant Slaughter is the one who stands head and shoulders above all of them as far as combat ability, strength, durability, quickness, fighting prowess, the whole deal. This is a guy who fought off dozens of bats you know, battle android troopers. Individually, they can like take out a Joe in a one-on-one encounter. We have seen them have trouble with bats before. Now bats are a little bit like ninjas, it's been argued, that the more you have, the less powerful they become. Doesn't matter. Sergeant Slaughter in one of his debut moves shows up at the battlefield. They literally said he created a second front by himself as he stormed the bats from the side and demolished dozens of them single-handedly while the joes just watched with their jaws hanging wide open. He picked up baton sticks and was smashing their heads off. These are like terminator robots and he's taking them all out one by one by one. My favorite move he grabbed the arm of one and just spun him around smashing the bats with another bat. It's that great meme, I'm so mad I'm going to throw this dude at another dude. That's what Sergeant Slaughter did with Big Heavy robots. When he got trapped inside of a house by the dreadnoughts, he says, we got to get out of this house before they knock it down. He just one shot punches the stone wall at the backside of the house, knocks a hole big enough for everybody to get out. He's also a great fighter and a great trainer, much like Captain America. It trains everybody. Sergeant Slaughter trains all of the other Joes to fight. This is a guy who somehow made Snake Eyes a better fighter. He trained up scrub Lieutenant Falcon played by Don Johnson to the point where he went from an absolute puke to being able to hang with Galabulous, leader of Cobra Law by the end of the movie. That is a short period of time to train up someone so low to get so so large. He's also supremely disciplined. I've seen Chewbacca. Strikes me as occasionally a little lackadaisical in his approach to things. He likes to sit back, put his arms behind his head, hang out. Sergeant Slaughter is always training. We saw him slice a huge monitor in half with a sword that had Serpentor's face on it. Heck, in the opening theme song, he jumps off his triple T and breaks Monkey Wrench's glasses. In the intro to every episode, he breaks a man's glasses. He's aggressive. And not just that, he's smart. He went to college, he said on the show, he knows ancient Greek well enough to read it. That's crazy. He went back in time and performed the trials of Heracles. He's a a, a biblical level power, is what we're referring to when we refer to Sergeant Slaughter. And of course, he throws around gold bars with ease. Why? Because he's Sergeant Bleeping Slaughter. And that's my point number
0: one. I'm glad Race to is not exaggerating any of the facts of Sergeant Slaughter, at least you the, version, that good. Uh, the, the version of Sergeant Slaughter that he made up in his mind somewhere. Now, the actual Sergeant Slaughter, who's fantastic, has some limitations. I'll get to that shortly, but let me push back on this. Look, we all know vending machines. You got the Constitution of the Vending Machine, that's awesome. What are vending machines? Things that are easy to break into. You can put your hand and in, reach into their insidey places. That's what Sergeant Slaughter's like that. You are a horrible human being Race to for saying that you can put your hand up Sergeant Slaughter the same week.
2: uh point it. of order. No slander will be tolerated on my watch, please. Thank you. Got it.
0: You can put your hand up a vending machine <laughs> easier than you can up a Sergeant Slaughter. Okay. <laughs> on top of that, you talked about quickness. Here's the deal. Sergeant Slaughter is many things quick no does he move well for his size absolutely is he quick absolutely not this guy gets tagged now he's durable but he gets tagged he gets hit stuff's been thrown at him the catches on his face this is someone who actually takes punishment good thing he's durable because he's not fast like getting out of the way and dodging bullets and what have you that's the thing and finally you know the bats that you're talking about they have a really cool design i love them uh when they finally came out as toys my parents couldn't afford them so we didn't get them i really wanted them but here's the thing they're not terminators race to canis they're more like those battle droids from the prequels in Star Wars, you know, the skinny ones that say Roger Roger all the time. That's what they are. I'm not saying oh they couldn't goodness. hurt you. They couldn't hurt you if they hit you or something. But they get torn apart easy. You're saying one versus a Joe? Absolutely not. That's like saying one battle droid from Star Wars and prequels versus a, a clone trooper. Absolutely not. You're 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 on something that is not the way to go. Uh, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Now let me get to my first point about Chewbacca. By the way, I love Sergeant Slaughter, he's amazing. My first point for uh Chewbacca is this. Let's just talk about his physicals and what he brings to the table. So Sergeant Slaughter, look, he's very tough. He's very strong. We get this. Chewbacca, however, is no slouch in either of those areas. And by the way, he's much faster. He's more agile. And he has better reflexes than Sergeant Slaughter. Let me explain. Now, the physical facts about Chewbacca. Did you know this? He's seven and a half feet tall, weighs somewhere between 350 and 400 pounds. And on the planet Kashyyyk, where he came from, he has to climb up these massive kilometer-long trees, tall trees that are massively thick. And then he lives in these houses and cities in the trees this is what his life is like and there's these massive predators coming after the wookies that are huge kind of t-rex sized things that live in the trees or that can also somehow glide on air coming after wookies that's what he grew up with that's kind of like you know superman from krypton has his powers because of this Chewbacca from his planet has these kind of physical abilities. It's really crazy. No, he's super strong. We saw that. Wookiees are considered to be the strongest type of humanoid in the Star Wars universe. He's strong enough to throw Han Solo from the bottom of a pit to the surface, is when they first meet in the solo film. And that distance was reportedly about 15 feet upwards. He's strong enough to knock a large metal door off of his hinges and send it flying across the room. And see, you know, we saw that in The Last Jedi. Horrible movie, if I didn't mention that before. In the comic book series, which is canon, by the way, Chewbacca is strong enough to take another huge Wookiee. Slam them into the ground so hard that he craters the ground with another Wookiee. He was also able to hold up a collapsing tunnel long enough for people to escape. He was able to snap steel restraints easily. And don't forget, he's strong enough to literally tear the limbs off of people. All fun facts. Now, it's theorized. I can't put this in a real fact, but it's theorized he can lift or press somewhere between one and two tons. That's pretty awesome. But there's a whole lot more. He's able to withstand multiple blaster shots. That's talking about his durability before going down. He's got this superior Wookiee durability. He's absolutely able to take superhuman amounts of physical damage. We've seen that with Blaster Fire, just stuff he's had to encounter in the Star Wars universe. In terms of agility, speed, and reflexes, they are all well beyond peak human levels. They're low-level superhuman. Again, he grew up on a planet where everything's bigger than him coming after him, and he's got to know how to navigate and move really fast and be extremely agile. We see this more in the comic book series than the film series, but it's absolutely canon. This guy can move really fast and can jump at high lengths and is super, super agile with great reflexes. By the way, Wookiee's also have claws they absolutely do and these claws they're kind of not the preferred weapon and they're only to be used if you're about to die because if you use them in any other time they're considered dishonorable and against a sergeant slaughter guess what Chewbacca is going to realize if I don't do something very severe to this guy this dude coming at me I'm going to die so the claws are coming out they can easily tear apart anyone and that's not all Chewbacca is also a genius IQ level being and he's got this genius level being you know in in engineering and piloting but here's a fun one also in tactics. Look, he was playing that game called Dejaric. That was that 3D chess, uh, holographic chess kind of thing. And he's an absolute expert a monster if you will playing that why because he loves tactics and we see this in Chewbacca because he positions himself really well behind things he doesn't just stand out in the open to shoot his gun no 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 he's behind whatever he's kind of getting good cover this is someone who employs tactics a lot Sergeant Slaughter on the other hand a little bit more fun to watch I'll give you that but he's running headfirst into battle and I'll give examples for that later all of that is my point number one
3: Oh, I got a lot to say right now. You, you're gonna, you're gonna sit here and say Chewbacca is agile? He, when, when was Chewbacca agile? He's played by a barely can move Peter Mayhew, uh, uh, R.I.P. God rest his soul. But come bleeping on! There's no moment that I thought Chewbacca was gonna dodge anything. One of his biggest weaknesses is that he's slow. He's slow in all accounts. And where was anything that you just said in the movies? You're saying, oh, his his planet that he lived on and these predator creatures were coming out. W- that wasn't in the movies. That's not a th- Are you going to fan fiction on me already in point number one, James? Because I don't know what you're talking about. And you talk about a 3D chess 3D chess, that thing he was getting rolled in by everyone who was afraid to, uh, they had to, uh, quote unquote, let the Wookiee win. It wasn't get rolled by the Wookiee because he's such a great strategist. No, you have to throw the match like your Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania 7 versus Sgt. Slaughter. Sometimes you got to throw a match because of what will happen, but he's not a great tactician. And you talk about theory for his strength? Oh, he can theoretically lift one or two tons. Did we see an example of that? Was he in the trash compactor smashing down walls? No, he was going to get squished. Why? Because that's just not true. The point I got out of all of what you just said is Chewbacca is strong, but you didn't really say anything he did. That isn't something that Sergeant Slaughter also has shown the ability to do. And Chewbacca's big plus in this battle coming in is his strength. And if it's equal to Sergeant Slaughter, you, sir, are in trouble.
0: Ray, I, I've offered, uh, you know, to buy, buy your uh, subscription for Disney Plus and also send you lots of comic books. Otherwise, what you call like cool pictures with word things on them for you to read from the Star Wars comic books that are all canon. And that way you can catch up on Clone Wars and see Chewbacca do some cool stuff and the CGI animation. It's all canon. But you keep saying no. Please take me up on this offer. and You'll understand what I'm saying. All right. Kevin Goatee, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where is your head at so far with this matchup? Well, it's a
2: clear-cut round one winner in my book because on the infamous, fantastic, magical show Gutting the Sacred Cow, my sometimes-now co-host, Kevin Israel, says, show me, don't tell me. And all I've seen today is a lot of telling about Chewbacca and Sicanus, Ray, as I'll quote Sergeant slaughter." You make me sick, but I have to agree with you for that round. It's a lot of show, no tell. We hear all this great stuff about Chewbacca. He can tear the arms off, people. I didn't see that anywhere. Did you? No. I was going to use that chess match, but Ray wisely jumped right on top of that, encountered with that with a nice repost. Chewbacca is a lumbering fella. He's not doing all that much out there. He's not... You know, Bruce Lee and dashing around and all that stuff. No, he's not. So all those most of those points, James Gabsy, null and void point. Ray.
0: Am I going to have to get you a Disney Plus subscription and send you comic books as well, Kevin? Is that what's
2: about to happen? No, my that eyes thing. don't. My eyes don't lie from all the Star Wars films I've seen at nauseum multiple times.
0: But the comic books that are canon. The yeah, CG, the, the Clone Wars. No, okay, gotcha. Seen that, that thing, too. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah, yeah, no. Got it. It's not, a, it's not a, the movies. Not that's enough. Nothing that happens. Got not it. enough show. Too much tell. Uh, I love. Actually, you know what? That's totally fine because what I'm going to do, my next point is going to solidify everything. Ray, hit us with your point number two.
3: Point number two for Sergeant Slaughter. Let's talk a little bit about his training, his vehicles, his gear, uh, and some of that. We're just going to open with some of the vehicles that he's been known to drive because these, are, as what have we said many times on the show. If the character comes packaged with the vehicle, then it should be on the table for the Who Would Win show, right? Well, the Triple T tank is maybe one of the most impressive, fun, cool G.I. Joe vehicles. It's an open-faced tread vehicle with lasers and missiles on it. And we all know Chewbacca comes from a world of lasers and a world of missiles, but he's not used to something that can move with this level of maneuverability on the ground. It can shoot cobra stun vehicles one shot of the laser these are relatively large vehicles at least two maybe three times the size of the triple t blows them up with one shot of the laser and not just that the triple t ran into one of those stuns and blew it up from running into it as well but that's not the only vehicle that sergeant slaughter was packaged with no he was also packaged with the warthog aifv Never seen on the TV show. I'm not going to lean too heavily into it. I'm just showing off at this point. Sergeant Slaughter not just wins, Sergeant Slaughter wins with style. He's a character who never loses the hat, except for one famous moment in Arise, Serpentor Arise, when he needed Cobra to think he was dead at the bottom of that aforementioned destroyed house. He always comes back for the hat and puts it on. He never leaves without the hat, just like he will refuse to leave without all of his comrades with him we all go home or nobody goes home and that's the hat must be one of his teammates because he never leaves without the hat as far as other weapons goes i saw him have a big tear gas bomb that he just happened to have with him i don't know if that's standard uh, equipment but i did see him use it in one of the battles like a giant smoke bomb but it was tear gas to help nullify the opponent that he was facing Every single Joe is a master of all weapons and all vehicles. Let's just start right there. If you put a G.I. Joe figure in any vehicle, he knows how to pilot it. These are the best trained military force in the entire world. Same is true of all weapons. If you ever look at those file cards at the back of G.I. Joe, they run through the list of all the weapons that they could have. I don't have it written down here, but if you've seen it, you know, there's like 11 categories of weapons that G.I. Joe's all know how to use. And this is the guy who's training them to use it, which means that he could pick up literally anything. And I believe he could do it with Star Wars weapons, too. He's just that talented if he needed to. He knows how to use all weapons. And he's a trained Marine. Marines are the best of the best in the military. And I know there's people uh, in the uh, other branches that would disagree, but let's keep it real. He is a Marine who became a drill instructor. He's an infantry member and has taken survival training. I don't know what formal combat training Chewbacca has had. To be honest, I think he relies on his big gun and his size and his battle cry. And then he just hopes that the other person gets scared and runs away. But Sergeant Slaughter's out there proving it every single day. Heck, we're going to talk about a a slide feat. This man beat the Ultimate Warrior to win the world title. One, two, three. I know I wasn't going to talk about the wrestling, but any win over the Ultimate Warrior is worth mentioning. Last thing I want to mention in this point, Chewbacca was in a ship in the sequels and that ship went up and it got blown up by the Empire. And then all of a sudden, what, 30 seconds later, they go, oh, no, wait, he was in this other ship over there. Maybe one of the weakest moments of drama in all of Star Wars, entire of canon. So you could argue Chewbacca was involved in one of the worst moments in Star Wars history. Meanwhile, I would argue that Sergeant Slaughter's was a part of like, Three out of the five best moments of G.I. Joe. So are we going with the character who goes who goes above and beyond and gives you great moments? This is for Alpine and Bazooka. This is for the U.S. of A. And this one's for me. You cannot deny that moment, but I can deny that Chewbacca spaceship moment. Nobody wants to see that again. And that's my point number two.
0: How dare you? How dare you invoke <laughs> the sequels? <laughs> A pox upon your household, good sir. All right, here's the deal. Listen, I knew you were going to pull this, Race of Canaan. You did this in our, the first episode with uh, Serpentor, where you said, hey, Serpentor comes with his flying platform. And sometimes Serpentor was sold separately, and sometimes he was sold with his flying platform. And sometimes Sergeant Slaughter was sold as an action figure by itself. And sometimes it was sold with maybe a vehicle. And you know what? The same thing can be said about Chewbacca. So if you want to bring in all those vehicles, that's cool because Chewbacca sold separately. was also sold as part of the Millennium Falcon combination. So I will bring in the Millennium Falcon and put that up with Chewbacca in there because he's a great pilot up against anything. Sergeant Slaughter is driving that you just mentioned. Just put it out there. Tit for tat. That's a thing. All right. That's fine,
3: James. It takes multiple people to fly the Millennium Falcon.
0: Oh, no, so, it does not. Oh, no, it does not. Chewbacca takes flying people. that thing
3: by himself. He never has and never will. That's yeah, fine. No. Keep it on the ground and hide inside of it like I know he loves to do.
0: I can feel, I can, yes, let the hate flow, race to Canis. Yes, that's right. Be afraid of the fact that he can actually fly it by itself and he knows how to fire it by himself. That's a cool thing. Now, in terms of the tear gas bomb, that's not standard. And the reason why I'm going to say that is because just like Chewbacca has done a lot of cool things in the comic books that are all canon, he actually has a grapple thing that he can add to his bowcaster. It's not a standard thing. So let's stick with standard weapons. Now, speaking of weapons, you mentioned that Sergeant Slaughter can use a lot of them. I agree, he can. But he doesn't carry all of his weapons. It's a random encounter in neutral location. He's got what he's got on him. It's a standard issue, whatever it is. That's it. He's not picking up all these other weapons. I agree. He could use that just aren't there. That's a thing. All right. Let me get to my brilliant point number two. And for my point number two, let's just talk about the weapons specialty Of Chewbacca. Look, Sergeant Slaughter's awesome. I've said it before; I'll say it again. And when it comes to weapons, Ray, I actually agree with you. I'm sure he used everything from military issue firearms to lasers to grenades, powerful explosives, and I'm sure many, many other things. Does he have more proficiency in a wider range of weapons than Chewbacca does? Yeah, maybe. I'll give you that. Yeah, maybe. But again, so who would win battle? He doesn't have all of these weapons just sitting there ready for him to use. But when I look at this battle, I've said it before. It reminds me of a Bruce Lee quote, which is. I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Chewbacca with that bowcaster he's been using for at least 60 years in essence is who Bruce Lee is referring to as that man, or in this case Wookiee, who has practiced one kick 10,000 times with his standard bowcaster. Now think about it for a second. Chewbacca has more than mastered his bowcaster. He's become more of a master sharpshooter with it. He knows this weapon inside and out. He's modified it in a crazy way. And you know what's interesting? It's theorized that Chewbacca's bowcaster may be the most powerful handheld weapon in all of Star Wars I love that fact and I actually agree with it now the bowcaster itself it fires these destructive metal quarrels sheath and quarrels another way of saying it, bullet against sheath and plasma energy and this results in explosive impacts it's really cool that's one hell of a bullet and the very stylish bandolier he wears across his chest and shoulders This thing contains 19 ammo cases of three bowcaster quarrels, which means he's got 57 rounds on him at any one time. Now, Chewbacca upgraded the bowcaster. He added an automatic cocking system for the weapon. means it's a fully automatic weapon. He added a power pack to make the bowcaster fire in a more powerful manner. To sum this up, he actually kind of gave this thing more power and made it more destructive capability and turned it from, you know, I guess a semi-automatic to a fully automatic weapon. That is insane. Now, what this really means is that the bowcaster hits much harder than a regular blaster, And we see this all the time in the movies when a stormtrooper gets hit by it. They get propelled a number of feet away. And when he blasts an inanimate object, it typically gets obliterated or absolutely destroyed to a certain level. And the Star Wars comic books, again, that are officially canon, boys and girls, Chewbacca actually takes out everything from stormtroopers, opposing bounty hunters, massive alien beasts. This is a thing. And Chewbacca is also insanely precise. I said before, this person... While standing still, all while on the move, we've seen it. He absolutely has an upper tier level of shooting the thing with high accuracy. And unlike Sergeant Slaughter, Chewbacca is experienced enough to know he shouldn't toss his weapon aside during a fight. What do I mean exactly? Here we go. In Sergeant Slaughter's first encounter with that, an encounter, I say, with a huge creature known as the Nemesis Enforcer in the iconic anime GI Joe cartoon movie, Sergeant Slaughter is facing off with them, and he does the unthinkable when he confronts him one on one. And tosses his rifle aside in order to fight him barehanded. Was it heroic? Absolutely. Was it cool and the only way an 80s G.I. Joe cartoon could be cool? Yes. And was it disastrous for Sergeant Slaughter? Yes, it was. Because the moment he threw down his gun, the nemesis enforcer creature threw this, look, like an alien face hugger thing at Sergeant Slaughter, which attached to his face and started to suffocate Sergeant Slaughter. And then he hit the ground. Now, luckily he survived this because there's another G.I. Joe nearby who was able to kind of help him remove it. But Sergeant Slaughter was down had to regain his breath because he made a horrible tactical error. Remember, Sergeant Slaughter likes to run in head first without Thinking too much because he is a badass, but it's gonna come to his downfall. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Sergeant Sly would rather lie on his fists and fears hand-to-hand combat ability in a one-on-one encounter. But Chewbacca, who's also a badass, badass combatant, won't be tossing his weapon aside in this fight. He's keeping on that bowcaster. That's my point number two.
3: The bowcaster is a very, very heavy weapon. Uh, and it's also it also needs time to charge up its shots. Before it fires, I've never actually seen him go and shoot a machine gun style bowcaster shot. Usually, as somebody who's seen the movies, he, it takes a while to charge up and then he shoots once and then you got to wait for the next shot to charge up. So I'm not really sure what you're referring to is this rapid fire bowcaster that seemingly does not exist. And that Sergeant Slaughter has appeared in 31 episodes of G.I. Joe between four different seasons of two different series. And not once has he been hit by a piece of artillery. Not once has this man been hit by a gun or a fired weapon. Because he's too fast and the bowcaster, let's face facts, is something that can be dodged. Big, heavy ammunition. Sergeant Slaughter's fine. And if Chewbacca wants to hold on to it during their inevitable hand-to-hand encounter, this is like one kilogram gigantic oversized weapon. That's going to be very bad for him when Slaughter starts punching him in the face repeatedly. He will not have a way to fight back if he's forced to hold on to his weapon. Bad tactic, James Gafsey.
0: I disagree as always. All right. We are now at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Kevin tells us who's ahead and what the other side has to do, has to do to win. But before we get to what Kevin has to say, Let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today?
3: Today, we are going to be talking about Gunnar Lahoffer. This is your day in the sun. Oh, my gosh. Gunner's making a
0: real... Ugh, okay, Gunner's going to come in for a fight. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Let's have Gunnar go against all four of the original Ghostbusters.
3: Oof, boy, this is rough, because, you know, Gunner. I, I believe he's German. Uh, uh, sehr Deutschland, sehr gut. And uh, I would have to say that the Ghostbusters, uh, you know, while very, very educated, they're dumb in many, many ways. I could see a situation where the four of them get the call that there's a ghost in, in say, a, a, a rodeo bar. That's a thing that exists. And I could see Gunner being in there, you know, drinking uh, his beer, taking his shot of Jack Daniels, you know, chugging the PBR and then speaking German to the person next to him. Now, these guys, these Ghostbusters, I love them. Again, not always the brightest socially. They might hear the German and think it's ancient Sumerian and immediately grab their proton packs uh, turn them on and then grab their weapons and get ready thinking that Gunner is a ghost. Gunner's just like, no, 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 no. Nicht so gut. And he's going to pull a Three Stooges routine, tweak all their noses, Slap each one back and forth like a paintbrush and kick them in their behinds. Square out the door. Battlefield removes them all. They feel foolish. They get in their Ecto-1 and they go home. Great job, Gunner. You dealt with them the only way you needed to, comedically. That was insane,
0: but that totally tracks Gunner. I knew you had it in you. Congratulations on a great win. Now, remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash who would win show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the turning point. Kevin, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory?
2: Ray, 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 Ray. You shouldn't have gone down the path of attacking the coolest vehicle in the history of cinema ever. The goddamn Millennium Falcon stands second to no one. But the bowcaster, a little clunky here. We're not talking. And by the way, that's not the most powerful hand weapon in Star Wars universe. The lightsaber is the most powerful hand weapon of them all, James. Thank you. You should know that. That's rule one. How do I score this round? I'll tell you how a draw, fair, fair. A Millennium Falcon gets you a draw. Not a when draw? you go. In, not when you go and you try and spew the uh, the hypocrisy of the bowcaster being the superlative hand weapon in the Star. Are people running around Disney World, uh, James? Are they making a bowcaster? Are they dropping two hundred dollars to build a bowcaster? They're not. Well, I, I spent guys- that. That I was about cool. to say, is
0: that because Disney's losing out on a great opportunity and yeah. absolutely
2: overcharging for horrible quality lightsabers? Listen, Disney I mean, and their mar- Disney and their marketing, as well as their films in the last few years, have been very slipshod. Uh, see, per- no perfect case besides the last three sequels, which were dog poop, dog poop uh, squared, and dog poop cued. I'll keep I'll keep it PG for you kids. That's fair. So yes, it is a it is a push for this round. Let's duke it out, round three. Fine. Fine. All right, all comes down to this. Ray,
0: let's
3: see what you got. Hit us your point number three. Look, if the Millennium Falcon can come up and Kevin says that round was a draw, I am feeling very good about myself in that moment, if I can be honest. Point number three for Sergeant Slaughter, let's talk about his feats. Let's talk about some battles. Let's talk about some wins. In a song that's canon to the G.I. Joe universe, you're using Weirdo Comics. I will absolutely use a song. The song lyric goes, I've seen him take on 100 Cobras. And send them on the run. One hundred Cobra soldiers—they're decently trained, sometimes—and he sent a hundred of them on the run. This was in the Sergeant Slaughter toy commercial, cannon to GI Joe. This is a guy who, in a Rise Serpentor, or arise, took on the dreadnoughts He took on Zartan in his own Everglades base area, where Zartan is king. Zartan, known for what? Deception, hiding. Sergeant Slaughter was able to sneak up on Zartan in the Everglades. Let's just say he is big, he is loud, he is rough, but when he wants to, when he needs to, that training can kick in and he can go low and he can sneak up and get a sneak attack on somebody. In the case of Zartan in that moment, beat him without even a fight because the guns were drawn. And let's talk about his greatest physical accomplishment, and that's, of course, in G.I. Joe the movie. That win over the seven-foot-tall Nemesis Enforcer, the beast of Cobra-Law who has wings, giant wings that can fly, spikes protruding from his elbows that can tear into a tank, into a tank when he let a tank run over him, used the spike and then pulled cross country out of his own vehicle. Wow. Sergeant Slaughter was able to lift this character with ease, off the ground, and then plant him square back down on the ground again. I think it's a physical match. Nemesis Enforcer and Chewbacca match up very, very well in the size and strength categories, although Nemesis Enforcer also can fly and has giant spikes on his arms. He was able to defeat him, how? With a series of elbow drops and axe handles, he beat Nemesis Enforcer so hard that this ultimate monster lost his breath and was choking for air. And then he tossed this flying character into a pit. That's how defeated Nemesis Enforcer was. A flying character was defeated by tossing him into a pit. Shouldn't work, did because he beat him so hard. In Operation Dragonfire from the Deke era G.I. Joe, he took on groups of ape warriors. These are genetically altered, I believe. Ape monsters, again, good proxies for Chewbacca, was able to defeat them as well. He was in Southeast Asia where he was inside an enemy encampment's worth of soldiers. He took out an entire base of Southeast Asian Cobra soldiers by himself in hand-to-hand combat, about two dozen men in total, while the other Joes just sat on the wall and watched him wondering if he could pull it off. Yes, yes, he could. In that same episode, Ninja Holiday, he was forced into a Kumite-style Mortal Kombat tournament because he stood in for Wetsuit, who was gonna do it on his own. And he kicked one ninja's butt after another. Ninjas, fast, agile, able to dodge, doesn't matter against Sergeant Slaughter, who pounded ninja after ninja. He was forced to fight other competitors by their own fighting styles. So they put him in boxing gloves, and put him up against a savat themed French chef, and he proceeded to dump him into a pit and take him down. They put him in a grappling match against a seven-foot uh, monster uh, gentleman from Africa wearing sort of tribal paint, and he dumped that guy into a pit. I think this battle ends with Chewbacca getting thrown into a pit because that seems to be what Sergeant Slaughter's MO is. This is a guy who pissed off the members of G.I. Joe while he was training them. He made them very, very angry. So he was attacked by six of them at once. He said, if you guys think you got it, come get me. Every Joe is a superhero. And he beat Leatherneck, Wetsuit, Dialtone, Mainframe, Beachhead, and Mother Bleepin' Flint took them all out at the same time. Let's not forget, when Sun Tzu's DNA was lost from Serpentor and his creation, They needed a replacement. They needed a great strategist and the greatest soldier of our era. And who did they take? Sergeant Slaughter's DNA. And that's my point number three.
2: Ray, I never want to admit this makes me nauseous. You made me realize the error of my ways. You're right. A push is too generous. That last round goes to James Gabsy for the Millennium Falcon being a superlative fighting machine. It's now evened up.
0: Thanks, Ray. Look, sometimes these points sneak up on you and it takes a minute to let the marinade and kind of the logic to <laughs> sink in. I don't blame you. This is the thing that happens. Look, when you look on the surface and you do the kind of like, I call it MMA math, right? It's a thing that's done in, you know, people like me who go to the gym and work out and watch what we eat. Yikes. Train. <laughs> <laughs> what we do that's a and- hell of a sick burn. Good, Gazzy, that's a quarter of a point for you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Now, Here's the thing. On the surface, When you look at Sergeant Slaughter, you're like, oh my God, this thing is a, it's a fight, it's a thing. It's a fighting machine. Look what he's doing. It's crazy. But then you start to dig down a little bit. Look, Nemesis Nemesis Enforcer had wings. Did the Nemesis Enforcer take to the air to get tactical, some type of tactical advantage? No, because the Nemesis Enforcer is a big, huge brawler, not a great fighter, relies on his power. That's a thing. And again, the Nemesis Enforcer still got the advantage, kind of a win over Sergeant Slaughter with that face hugger thing, because Sergeant Slaughter disregarded his firearm and said, I want to take him on. Cool. But yeah, you don't do that in a fight. And against someone who's super experienced, who's going to see you kind of do this kind of stuff, they're going to use that against you 100% of the time. That's all I'm going to say. And listen, when he took on six Joes, Flint's kind of cool. But remember, Flint was what? Very, very old. Like, wasn't he in his, like, you know, 80s or whatever he was? He was like in, in the, his 30s. 80s and You're me?
3: thinking of a hawk. What are you talking about?
0: Flint, Flint was in Hawk, peak
3: physical condition.
0: Flint Hawk, whatever it was, the thing is he took on six of them, but they weren't the, all the best ones. Let's get hey, say Flint was they were the
3: best shows of season two. What are you talking about? Really? James, I hear snake you trying eyes? and you're snake missing. eyes
0: Duke. Really? Snake they didn't eyes seem to be listed there. Eyes and Duke Interesting.
3: Appeared in season two. All
0: I'm saying is they weren't included in that six brawl. That's all I'm saying on the surface. Again, Sergeant Slaughter looks really good, but if you dig a little deeper, you realize eh, some of these things are questionable. Okay, let me get to my point number three. And for my point number three, let's just talk about experience, tactics, and just some cool stuff that Chewbacca brings to the table. Look, Sergeant Slaughter absolutely has seen a lot in his lifetime. The rise and fall of Cobra, the weather dominator, 1980s animation awesomeness, but he hasn't seen or experienced anything compared to what Chewbacca, ha- Chewbacca has. Why? Because Chewbacca has just this lifelong Battle, you know, constant battle of, you know, fighting wars and being involved with the Empire and fighting for his life, being his life, the whole thing. Listen, at the end of the travesty known as The Last Jedi, Chewbacca is 234 freaking years old and he's seen the experience quite a bit throughout a galactic lifetime. Now, Let's talk about that. He saw the rise and fall of the Galactic Republic. His people betrayed and enslaved. He himself was enslaved by the Empire until he you know, broke free. And from that time you know, till the horrible Last Jedi, he's seen and experienced the fall of the Empire, the destruction of the Death Star, the death of his best friend, due to the betrayal of his son, the rise of the First Order. I could go on and on and on and on. But again, this is crazy amounts of turmoil, of damage, of experience he's had to do. And he's taken it all in. Do you ever hear Chewbacca complain about his life? No. Does he ever talk about it? No. You know why? Because he's a warrior. He internalizes it in a very unhealthy way. And then he likes to shoot people from a distance because that's what people do when they internalize for too long and don't have a healthy outlet. I'm just making that point. So with all that experience, what has Chewbacca seen and done and had to go through in order for him to still be alive now? Do you think he's experienced insane combat situations with... Things that can fly, things that can shoot lasers from the air, very powerful, super powerful beings with stuff on their arms that's really sharp. I don't know. Has you ever had to fight against people with lightsabers? That could be a thing. Or people shooting at them at all times. Yes, huge alien monsters. Cyborgs, robots, droids, all of that. He's had to fight it and he's survived it all. Do you think he's fought and prevailed against opponents with just, you know, explosives and super strength and weapons and combat experience like Sergeant Slaughter? He sure has. Look, as great as Sergeant Slaughter is, how many Sergeant Slaughters are running around the Empire? Compare Cobra to the Empire. Cobra is kind of like what the Empire would put on one planet, and Chewbacca had to survive a million planets of all the Empire coming at him at all times. This is something that's crazy. Now, the big thing that's different between Sergeant Slaughter and Chewbacca is Chewbacca is really good at setting traps. We see this a lot in the comic books. We also see a little bit of this in that third movie or the the last Jedi movie, I should say, where he sets a trap for that little bird thing he's about to eat. My whole point is this is someone who's had to set traps. Now, is Sergeant Slaughter going to be caught in a horrible trap and be taken out? No, will he be stopped for a second? Yes, in the same way that face hugger stopped him, the way the nemesis enforcer did as well. And as he's dealing all of that, guess where Chewbacca is? Is he in Sergeant Slaughter's face? Nope. Guess where he is? He's from a distance, taking cover, shooting that bowcaster that hits like a you know what from a distance, the same way he did to that no good Kylo Ren when he stabbed his dad with the lights. I'm still bitter about that, by the way. Now, what has Sergeant Slaughter done? that Chewbacca hasn't seen before. That is the question. Nothing. He's seen everything Sergeant Slaughter can do and has survived it and seen every flavor of it under the sun. But what has Chewbacca done that Sergeant Slaughter hasn't seen? Well, that's a crazy handheld weapon he's got. He's got the Millennium Falcon. That's not something Sergeant is ready for. And that hits a lot harder than any face hugger. Look, you take the experience. That bowcaster is going to do some good damage. By the way, then you've got the Millennium Falcon. And by the way, on top of that, Chewbacca is insanely smart. You know what he's going to do? He's going to realize that Sergeant Slaughter is a physical specimen. Real quick, he's going to get out of there, call the Millennium Falcon, get on board, and start shooting from a distance. That's why he wins this fight. That's why Sergeant Slaughter loses. And that's why Chewbacca prevails. That's my point number three.
3: You're talking about Chewbacca setting traps in the middle of one of the most aggressive fighters. He's going to set up like that thing with the rope on the treetop that you walk in and it grabs your leg. I don't see this. And you're going to tell me right now, Sergeant Slaughter's never seen anything like lasers shooting. What are you even talking about right now? His life is being in big time battles with lasers shooting all around him and not getting hit. And James, you made a big point about Nemesis Enforcer. Like you got right to the point and missed it. Nemesis Enforcer, yes, didn't fly around as much as he should have because he relied on his power alone in the battle, and that's the entire point. That's how Chewbacca also will fight this battle with. And Nemesis Enforcer is much better fighter, but has much more going for him than Chewbacca. And Sergeant Slaughter overcame that. That's the entire point. And you're talking about tactics. I haven't seen Chewbacca use a lot of tactics. When there's a fight in a battle, he looks like he's just like running around looking to find out who he's supposed to shoot and then takes pot shots at whoever he needs to and just sort of waits for Han Solo to tell him what to do. Please. This is a battle of in the big time fights, a bit player versus a main star Chewbacca. And I love Chewbacca. He is one of my favorite characters, but we got to call it for how it really is. When you have the big fights happening, Luke Skywalker's taking that fight. Han Solo's taking that fight, right? other people are taking those fights and he's backing up fighting the scrubs. And when that thing happens in GI Joe, Sergeant Slaughter is the one taking that fight and winning it. So at the end of the day, when these two fight, I do not believe a bowcaster shot will hit. I do believe that Sergeant Slaughter will close the distance with Chewbacca with relative ease. If he could fight ninjas, he's fast enough to get in on a Chewbacca Wookiee. And the strength being even, and Chewbacca refusing for whatever reason to put down the bowcaster in the middle of a hand-to-hand fight means that he's unfortunately going to get overwhelmed. This thing ends with a German suplex into a pit. Sergeant Slaughter beats Chewbacca to the point where he's panting and heavy breathing, comes up behind him, locks it in, flips him into a pit, doesn't use the cobra clutch because unlike James... I'm not going to use an example that didn't happen in the version I'm talking about.
0: Lots of pit talking with Ray Stickiness. Don't check out his browsing history. Kevin, you've heard three points for both Ray and myself. I love peaches, James. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? You've heard three points for both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will and reveal who you think wins this battle between Sergeant Slaughter and Chewbacca.
2: Well, 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 gentlemen, this is, we're going here. I think I did an overtime. I think my first or second appearance on this, boy, we're getting real close to that, aren't we? Ray, I'm surprised you had him on the ropes with one point, and I was expecting the fatality. When when James is talking about setting traps and being a brilliant tactician, did you forget to mention the part how he walked into a net in Return of the Jedi, and they said, Chewie. Always think of your stomach, not the idea of a brilliant tactician, not someone, if he's a trap setter, would not sniff that one out.
3: You know, I would I would I think that's an excellent point, uh, Kevin. Uh, I just don't think Sergeant Slaughter is going to attack him with cheeseburgers. (laughs) Fair.
2: Lot of listen, a lot of amazing points here. Chewbacca, American icon, Sergeant Slaughter, the epitome of American icon. But, you know, Chewbacca is no slouch. Himself, Another Caddyshack reference. Eat my shorts, race to Canis. This one is a doozy. The last round, James did way more backpedaling than attacking. He did a lot of countering, but not a lot of reposting. Which, oh, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Oh, the suspense is killing me. Well... How does this battle play out? Here it is. Pretty simple. Not really, actually. It's all, if Chewbacca, oh man, there's the hand-to-hand combat, it's tough. Chewbacca's got the reach. He's got the height. Sergeant Soldier gets in. I mean, they're both strong. Chewbacca's a Wookiee. It's a lot of that. I, I think, te- oh boy, that's real. When you break it down like that, it's close quarters fighting. It's really tough. I mean, you said before the constitution of a vending machine. Chewbacca is just insanely strong but again we only hear about those tales of him ripping arms off and not actually using that physical strength in person yeah he bashes stormtrooper helmets in together was it the but the, the drumming that's the ewok god why had i confuse that in the end of jedi you don't see a lot of that sergeant slaughter is a physical specimen who's on show every waking moment chewy running around you set running uh let's just say ambling with the gun Stealing some at-ats, shooting at the uh, Imperials, flying the Millennium Falcon with ease and very well, but otherwise not putting on that display that Slaughter does. Style point Slaughter. I'm giving it to Slaughter in the slightest of nods. Uh,
3: Of course, that is the only thing to do for your country.
0: This this is okay. Here's the thing. I love Chewbacca. I love Sergeant Slaughter. And this one was a killer. It It killed me right from the beginning. And I got to tell you, I actually do agree with this decision, not because of anything Ray said, clearly, but because of something you mentioned before. And that is, you know, Kevin, I, I could tell what you were really saying when you were brought in the Millennium Falcon. You were trying to say, listen, let's just take vehicles out of this. Right. And once you take the vehicles out of this. And, you know, you have just a straight-on one-on-one battle. You also mentioned just Sergeant Slaughter being able to take punishment and give it out. We have seen Chewbacca take punishment and go down for a while from that punishment and take a while to heal up and even cry about it a little bit before he gets back into action. So that was a great point for you to bring up. I can see why you went with that, and Ray was also here in the debate today. So I'm not horribly upset with with your decision. Uh, Either way, one of my heroes, someone I look up to, fictional or not, won the day. So I'm I'm actually absolutely fine with today's verdict. Uh, With all that being said, Ray, how do you feel with the victory today?
3: I look at you, James Gavsey, and I will tell you why you ended up where you were. Because you're going nowhere, Space Case. You're here because you're an industrial strength follow-up. And I just need you to understand this. On our nation's holiday, Canada will not overcome the awesome power and gravitas of one Sergeant Slaughter.
0: Kevin, another thing you brought up that was interesting was uh, the Caddyshack references. That was good. That was a juxtaposition, so so to speak, of two different film genres that really made me understand the nuance of where you went with this battle. So well done with that. Ray was also here for today's podcast. I'm going to tell
3: you right now, if I had a choice between watching Caddyshack again or the entirety of the three Star Wars sequel movies, I'll watch the sequel movies three times, nine movies in total easily not even a thought crosses my mind that i would ever want to sit through the atrocity that is caddyshack
2: once again james why don't you give ray that canadian passport you're no longer going to need because we're going to send him up there way up to manitoba beyond because that's where opinions like that belong up there in the great white north Thank you very much. Uh, Listen, my
0: stance on how much the the sequels, of Star Wars sequels, how horrible they are, are actually were my last question to get into my citizenship for the United States. They said, what do you think of those last... And I just said, I don't. And they're like, you're in. We want you. Anyway. (laughs) Yep.
3: I'll love you. I'll say uh, episode nine or episode seven, nothing really objectionable. That movie doesn't do anything. So it doesn't do anything particularly badly. I'll give you Last Jedi. That is a scotch whiskey... Uh, but a very cheap vintage, you know what I'm saying? Like a bad scotch whiskey. Uh, some people might still like it, pull good things out of it. I'm not gonna argue that one, but I would say Rise of the Skywalker, better movie. Okay, the overall plot, the overall like emperor stuff, I could do without, but there's enough good things, that lightsaber battle in the storm that they have on that like ocean front thing. There's enough good in that movie to make it not the worst thing ever. I will defend the sequels. Much more so than I ever would Caddyshack, I'll tell you.
2: This episode nine is a crime against humanity. It is only second worst episode one. And I'm going to shoot that argument you have right with one singular phrase. Horses don't run on the outside of starships in space. Thank you very much. Terrible film. Terrible film. Terrible film. You know who the
0: best character was for that last one? And then we'll get off this was uh, was um,
2: not Chewbacca.
0: Nope, Ben Solo. When Ben Solo finally appeared I I'm liked like, it. oh, my God, I like Ben Solo a whole lot. I like Get Ben Solo, the, the red guy. Then he dies because that's what they do. Spoiler you didn't, alerts. You didn't,
2: you, you didn't see that coming with a big white flag as oh, the whole entire film was trash.
3: I haven't seen a bigger shocking death since Commander Shepard in Mass Effect 3.
0: <laughs> all I'm saying is all I'm saying the best thing that came out of that movie and they decide to kill him off right away because that's genius. Great writing. That's what we call it. Okay, Kevin, again, you come on the show and you just drop bombs of knowledge and goodness and goodness of knowledge and you just do what you do. You are a national treasure. I didn't get the win, but man, I loved your process. Please come back on the show. Until the next time, though, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. I want
2: you to listen to fantastic bombs as james just put it and that you can find all that on a weekly basis on the best damn movie review debate podcast out there gutting the sacred cow where we invite guests to pick a film they find overrated or hate and trying to convince us to see their points but of course the twist the film's got to meet one of these criteria widely beloved critically acclaimed or a financial success that's the challenge, giving an, a platform to those people with unpopular opinions about some of our most popular films of all time. Who has the stones to do it? Do we agree with them or do we send them into the shredder like we have many a time? You'll find out every single week on Gutting the Sacred Cow. YouTube, podcasts everywhere, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com if you want to say hi. And, of course, advertise with us. Lastly, leave us that five-star rating we so deserve. Two or three-sentence review. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't Don't cost nothing. Another Caddyshack line. There you go, kids. That's where you find me, kevingoatty.com. And fantasy football jibber-jabber starting up when football season starts in another month or so. Be on the lookout for that on YouTube. Held to the yes to all of that. All right, Ray Canis You got
0: another great victory today, but it was really a win for me as well because we got to celebrate the USA. I feel great. I'm awesome. Ray Sicanus, tell the Legion of audience where they can find you.
3: I will say that having uh, certain terrible judges on the Who Would Win show for five seasons straight prepared me to go on gutting the sacred cow and talk about Caddyshack because I've already experienced a hundred plus times before making perfect points that were on point and nailing it for the judges. And then at the end of the episode, having them go, nah, I just don't think so. That is a perfect parallel. And I'm glad that I was able to build up those mental resistances because I knew what I was going to get into with the particular host. Kevin Goatee didn't just want uh, me to come on and talk about Caddyshack so he could try to annihilate me. He specially brought on, I believe Bill Schultz who also loves Caddyshack specifically to fight me For the entire hour plus of that podcast episode, that is a knockdown, drag-out fight of an episode. Highly recommended listening. If you're a fan of who would win, go check out the Caddyshack episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow and then go on Gutting the Sacred Cow and in a five-star review say, I listened to the Caddyshack episode. Hashtag Ray is right. That's what I want you to do. And today, obviously, I won. Sergeant Slaughter's too good a character, and I was not. There are certain episodes of the Who Would Win show. You've got the the uh, uh, um, NFL Super Pro episode. You've got the Russian Guardians episode. Sometimes I'm going to bring just a little bit extra heat to the hot sauce, and today I say pucker up because this was one that was going to go down in history as one of my finest wins of all time you can find me on twitter if it works at almighty ray but it probably doesn't so find me nowhere just listen to the show give us a five-star review and i'll see ya yeah another
0: great point you brought up kevin You know, I'll talk about it later. Uh, We'll call, have lunch or what have you. All right, listen, this was fun. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Race Cicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time.
3: I'm Erica. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered dominoes online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? Check us out wherever you download podcasts.
0: Hey, gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwinshow right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.